I invite you to turn with me now to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. And um, I want to emphasize three things uh, to observe in this passage going into it. And then I want us to look at the little outline that we have today about finding hope, a blessed hope that will keep you going uh, when life seems to be overwhelming. In the passage that we're studying today, Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people who have observed him perform miracles. Now, when you raise the dead and you heal the lame and the blind and, uh, and uh, heal the sick, uh, a crowd will co- start to follow you around. And they'll want to know what, uh, where you get this power. Uh, where are you from? Uh, why are you doing these things now? Why couldn't the Pharisees, <clears throat> excuse me, the Sadducees do these things? Uh, but Jesus is displaying the very kingdom of God in our presence uh, here in Matthew chapter 5. And as he teaches about the kingdom of God, <clears throat> he is giving to us what is called the Beatitudes. And these Beatitudes have been uh, preached on and explained in so many ways. <clears throat> and I pray today that you'll have a fresh insight about these uh, Beatitudes. Let us read the passage of Scripture Then I want to make two or three observations, and then we'll get to the little short sermon outline here. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now there's your first clue as to what the subject matter is going to be going forward in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is about the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and Jesus is our King. Now we're going to study how to live in the kingdom of God, how to have a blessed life. Uh, I think there's a book out there called Living Your Best Life Today. That's not what this message is about. But we are discovering what it's like to live and walk and, uh, and, and uh, be in the kingdom of God. And the miraculous things that God is able to do and bring to us as we live and walk in this kingdom. So he begins there in verse 3 with the first of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now who's he talking to? Well, just about everybody in this crowd has been subject to some kind of loss. Everybody in this crowd knows what it means to be uh, left behind, marginalized, looked over. Uh, Somebody else got the better cut of meat. Somebody else got the better goods at the store. Somebody else was paid better wages. They knew what it was like to live on the scraps of the king's table. And Jesus has come to speak blessing to them. And so their ears are listening because they've never heard anybody bless them and give them hope and give them encouragement as Jesus is doing in this passage of Scripture. So it begins by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then in verse 4 he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And then he says, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. First observation I want to make about this passage of Scripture is that Jesus is the blessed one who is in their presence at the preaching of the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Jesus is the blessed one who is in their presence as he speaks and preaches about the hope we have in the kingdom of God. That makes all the difference in this passage of Scripture. Now some people look at the Scripture and say, well, Jesus is promising things that have not come about, come about yet. Uh, he's speaking about a future. He's talking about someday, somewhere, in another age, in another time. But what Jesus is saying to us is, this future age that we've all dreamed of, this age where there will be no need, this age where our needs will all be fulfilled, this age when we'll all have plenty, this age has come into the presence. It is a present tense kingdom. That age is, has dawned upon us because Jesus is the blessed one of this kingdom. And wherever Jesus is, this kingdom exists. It is a present reality and yet it looks to the future as well and those who follow Jesus and know him as your Savior and your Lord get a taste of heaven on earth but there's more to come you have a taste of what it's like to live in God's kingdom but there's so much more to come so as you walk with Christ and invite him into your life and follow him as a faithful disciple you get to live and walk and breathe in the kingdom of God that is not yet fulfilled, but partially here already. It's like not yet, but already. Not yet, but already. And when we walk with Jesus and have Jesus in our heart, we have a taste of the age that's going to come. I mentioned yesterday a passage in Re Revelation chapter 21 that is the, um, really the picture of what God's kingdom is going to be like in His ho holy heaven. And we get to experience some of that in the today because Christ is alive today and is with us today in His Holy Spirit. And as we faithfully follow Him and serve Him, we get to experience some of this future kingdom that's, already, that's going to come. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. They shall be his people, and God himself will dwell among them. Folks, that has come to pass in our time. Because God dwells with us in his Holy Spirit. And as we serve Him and live for Him and follow Him as our Savior and our Lord, we get to taste the future kingdom of God in our own time. In our own time. Now also in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is the blessed one with them. 
That's why they can say the good of the kingdom of God is right here, right now. Because Jesus is right here, right now. And when you have Jesus, you have enough. I remember one time I had a pastor that was mentoring me, and we were driving down the road one day. And as we were driving down the road, guys walking down the sidewalk, and he said, do you know what that guy's looking for? I said, well, I really don't. And he said, well, he's looking for Jesus. He just doesn't know it yet. He said, everybody that lives, breathes, and walks on this earth is looking for a relationship with God. There's something in us that is empty and unfulfilled until we find God himself. There's a hunger in our soul that longs to worship God. Every society, every culture that you will study in anthropology, you will discover that each one of them sets up a worship of something. It's innate in us. It's part of our nature. We were born to worship. There's something in us that realizes we are terminal. We are uh, temporary. We're not going to live forever in this life. Everybody before us has passed on, and it's going to happen to us as well. And we yearn for the eternal. We yearn for the spiritual. We yearn for something that is beyond us that's going to last longer than us. And that something has come into our world. And that something is called Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And He has brought to you and to me the very kingdom of God that is eternal. And because I serve Him and believe in Him, I'm going to live with Him in His holy heaven forever and forever and forever. Just whisper it with me. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to live forever. Now, does that sound odd? Does that feel kind of weird? I think we need to remind ourselves of that sometimes. Because we get to thinking about death, we get to thinking about the brevity of life, and, and we want to put on the brakes and stop time, and yet the truth is, I believe in Jesus. He's eternal, and I'm going to live forever. And that's God's holy truth that I get to live with every single day. So, that becomes my future story. That is my future story. Everybody needs a future story. Everybody needs what is called hope. One of the first sermons I preached when I came to Ekron Baptist Church was, I am a hoper. And y'all looked at me just like you're looking at me right now. Huh? What, what, what's he talking about? I'm a hoper. I have hope. I have hope that the world cannot take away. I have hope that belongs to me and all who will join me in following Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. I have a hope that I'm going to live through and get through whatever I'm going through. And it's not going to define me. What my troubles are is not going to define me. What my challenges are is not going to define me. What my setbacks are is not going to define me. What tempts me is not going to define me. My future hope is going to define me. I am a child of God, and I will live forever. He that believeth in me shall never die, Jesus said. Do you believe this? 
It is faith that brings us into this kingdom of God. It is faith that keeps us moving forward in this kingdom of God. And we have a future story. We have a future hope. And we live by it. And we're not going to be defined by anything but our future story. I pray that you can say, I have a future story. I know Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. And because I do, I'm going to live forever. Now let's walk through this little sermon outline today as it speaks about our future story, as it speaks about hope and building our identity on this future hope. He says in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Our future story is that we have hope when all seems lost. We have hope. When all seems lost. Life is uh, brief. Life is short. I don't care if you live to be 95 years old. It goes just, just like that. Dr. Billy Graham was asked one time what was uh, one of the things that stood out in his mind about, about his life. He said, it surprises me how quickly life has passed me by. And you and I get in touch with the brevity of life every time we attend a memorial service. Once again, we are reminded of just how short life is. But the truth is, we have received the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just like Jesus was invited to uh, come to Martha and Mary's place when Lazarus died, and yet he chose to hesitate a bit. He didn't come right away. He came a little later, and when he got there, uh, Lazarus had been deceased for about four days. And Martha was you know, fussing at Jesus because he didn't get there in time to stop this illness that uh, Lazarus had. And Jesus promised Martha, he said, I, he will live again. Martha says, well, I know someday he's going to live again. Jesus said, no, he's going to live again. You, you, you just step back and watch. And the Bible said Jesus spoke with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus woke up, and Lazarus stood up, and Jesus said, unwrap all that barrel cloth from him. He doesn't need that anymore. He's alive. And Lazarus went on to live in that future hope and that future story. You and I are going to hear that same voice. I believe the trumpet's going to sound so loud it'll raise the dead when Jesus comes back again. You won't see it on CNN. You won't hear about it on the internet uh, you, it's going to happen and when that voice says be raised from the dead you and I are going to have that resurrection body and we're going to live with Jesus we're going to exist with him for all of eternity that's our future story and that's why we can say we have comfort when we have experienced loss the loss we go through these are necessary for life but it's not the final story. There's a future. There's a resurrection. There's coming a return of Jesus Christ. And because of that great truth, I have a future story. Now I can face my terminal illness. Now I can face my short days. Now I can say goodbye to my loved ones because we're going to be together again in God's holy heaven, in God's future that He has prepared for you and for me. 
Jesus said to the disciples in a way that they weren't quite ready to hear, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus has a future for you. And that future is eternal because he is eternal. When all seems lost, it doesn't, it doesn't define our future. We have hope. We have a future story. We have Jesus. We have the resurrection. That's where we're going. Secondly, we have a future story of hope when relationships need to be repaired. Relationships need to be repaired. I don't know anybody that doesn't go through conflict. In fact, if you haven't gone through conflict, uh, you've been copping out on life. Conflict is how you get to know each other. And usually the people we're in conflict with, we're more like them than we are different. We don't like to realize that, but that's, uh, that's the truth a lot of times. And that many times that's why we have conflict in our lives. Learning how to get along together. Learning how to be friends again when we have hurt each other. It is true that if you live long enough, you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. You're going to disappoint somebody. You're going to let somebody down. You're not going to keep your word as you thought you were going to be able to keep your word. You're going to have to change your mind about some things. And that may create a disturbance with other people. And if that's the case, let it be. Let it be. And be reconciled to each other in Christ Jesus. Through Christ, we have that future hope of being together, united together as one family in Jesus Christ. The Bible says it this way. He himself is our peace. Christ has come into this world and died on that cross to take my suffering, my conflict, my pain, and to bear it on the cross for me. He himself is our peace. And because Jesus bled and died that we could be reconciled to each other, we have peace through the cross of Jesus Christ. Watch how he says it here in verse 5. Blessed are the gentle. Blessed are the humble. Now, a humble person is not someone who is a, a, a kind of person that lets the world run over them. Moses was a humble man, but he was not a pushover. Trust me, he was a man's man. He was a man's man. Jesus was a man's man, but he was the most humble of all. Jesus even said of John the Baptist. Now, remember John the Baptist? He wasn't your average nice guy. I mean... He ate uh, honey, wild honey, and he dressed with camel, camel clothes and cloth, and he lived out in the desert, and he, repeat, and, he, and he preached repentance, repentance, repentance for the forgiveness of sin. So he wasn't your average nice guy. And, uh, and, and he would preach to the Pharisees, and he'd say, You hypocrites, you vipers, y'all a bunch of snakes. That's not the kind of guy you want to hang out with, Right? That's not the kind of guy you want to invite for a revival at Ekron Baptist Church either. I mean, he would empty the place fairly quickly, I do believe. But the truth is, he was a humble man. And Jesus said there was not a greater man who's lived than John the Baptist. And the reason Jesus said that was, he was truly a humble man. 
Truth is, he just spoke the truth. And not everybody was ready to hear the truth. And of course, Jesus came along to live the truth. So blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The Bible speaks about the righteousness of God and how we are to desire the righteousness of God be played out in our life. What is the righteousness of God? Well, number one, God is always right. God is always right. God's never wrong. God is always right. God gets to decide, because He created the world, a moral universe, God gets to decide what is right and what is wrong. It's His world. It's not my world. I just get to live in it. That's what my son Daniel used to say. This is not my world. God just lets me live in it. It's His world. And we belong to Him. And because it's His world and He owns all that's in the world and created all there is, He has created a moral universe. And if you want to bring down the judgment of God, just disobey the laws of God. And you will find that you are up against a a hard goad. Life will be hard for you as you kick against the moral laws of God. But if you will yield to and obey the moral laws of God, you will find blessing in life. Because God is right. He's always right. Number two, God is always doing the right. He's always in the right. He's always doing the right. Whatever God does is right. Whatever God does is just. Whatever God does is honorable. And so God is always doing the right. Number three, righteousness means that God is always seeing to it that the right gets done. God is always seeing to it that the right gets done. He is instituting righteousness. He is instituting justice. He is bringing it to bear in our time. One of the worst things any society can do is disobey the moral laws of God's economy. When there's not a fair and a just and equitable economy, you will find a people that are imprisoned, a people that are abused and used. That's what you'll find. And if you have an an unjust economy in the world, economy that exists on bribes, economy that is run by injustice, you will find that people are used and abused and beat down. And folks, that's the people that Jesus is preaching to right here. God is always seeing to it that the right gets done. God is bringing us just laws. God is bringing us a just world. And we need to uphold those things. Because that brings fairness to this world and that gives everybody a chance to succeed with their life. The third and final hope that we talk about in this passage of Scripture is that we have a future story of hope when we are overwhelmed with the obstacles of life. And it doesn't take long for that to happen. Life just happens to us. It really does. I watched uh, our church in Louisville in the community that we were in, began to change, and I couldn't stop it. That frustrated me for a long time. And then I realized that's our mission. And so we started a Hispanic uh, Cuban mission in our church. And then they started two more missions. And they were running about 80 on Sunday afternoon. 
And the people in that church are going, well, we don't like those Hispanics in our church. What are those Hispanics doing in our church? We don't like that. And I kept preaching and saying, folks, this is our mission. This is who we are. This is why we're here. These are our neighbors. Welcome them. And then we began to discover that they cook the best roasted pig you've ever eaten in your life. You know when we had that Thanksgiving meal here? Well, we would have that every year at our church. And the Hispanics brought the roasted pig. I mean, he was that thing was huge. And he would just lay it out like that. And I would kid the church. I'd say, now look, when you go, be sure and get a, get a pinch of the ear. It's the, really the most flavorful part of a roasted pig. Just break it off and chew on it. I said, it's really good. And they look at me like, you must be crazy. After about three years of the Hispanics bringing the roasted pig to the church, everybody wants some of the roasted pig. Everybody wants some of that rice that they make. Everybody wanted some of that dessert that they made. All of a sudden, food became a common language to these two groups of people. And there began a fellowship there, and people began to realize, you know, we're glad those folks are here. We're glad those folks are here. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be received mercy. Blessed appear in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I pray today that you know the blessed one, Jesus Christ. If you know the blessed one, Jesus Christ, the future of God's kingdom has come to live in you through his Holy Spirit. And when the future of God's kingdom has come to live in you through the Holy Spirit, you have a future story. And that future story is not sometime in the by and by. That's how we see heaven sometimes. The kingdom of God is now living in us. And every step we take is a step in the kingdom of God. And we discover new things about ourselves. We discover new things about our neighbors. And the ones who know Christ as their Savior and Lord have that common fellowship. It's a sweet fellowship. It's not just about the roasted pig. It's about the smiles on their faces when they greet each other and welcome each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray this message has been a little help to you and that God would bless you with it. Today, if you're here and you're someone who needs to give your life to the Lord publicly and follow through in the waters of baptism, we invite you to come while we sing this song in just a moment. Maybe someone would like to unite with our church from the sister church. We invite you to come as well. Let's stand together in the spirit of prayer. We thank you, Lord, that we can have fellowship with each other cross-culturally, the kingdom of God being lived out in our community in other languages and other people. We thank you, Father, for the good news of the gospel that brings unity in the body of Christ. We thank you that Jesus is our future story, our blessed hope, and that what Jesus has brought to us is true. It is right. It is the Word of God. Grass withers, flowers fade, but the Word of our God abides forever. Now, Father, may we walk in this blessedness 
May we live with this future story in our heart and share this gospel with all that we come in contact with. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.